Welcome, this is Central Baptist Church, and again, uh, thank you for coming through, and thank God for his faithfulness, for his love, for his provision, and for this day that he's given us, and I pray we will be glad in it. If we could open our Bibles to the book of Acts, I'm going to read our text for day, which is uh, verses 17 to 33, Acts chapter 10, verses uh, 17 down to 33. As they walk in for service. They stand to preach with two, three people guarding them because they are different from everyone else. I've gone to communities where Men will be seated on one side, women completely on the other side, never to mingle. Children, never with their parents, never on pews. They sit down. Whether it's cold, it's dirty, it's dusty, it's hot, children sit down. We have a way of segregating. I experienced the case of an evangelical African pastor who could not have a meal with an evangelical German pastor because the German pastor would have his beer with his dinner. Traditions separate us. Prejudice has been, it is, it will remain. It's one threat that we face in fulfilling God's mandate. And yet, God's salvation is all-inclusive. It includes all. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes, that is no distinction. Christ's blood was shed for all people. How then are we going to execute this mandate? Our challenge in the world is not what. We know our mandate. But how is the challenge? This is where we find our brother Peter, the Apostle Peter, sitting wondering, how then shall he proceed to go and fulfill the mandate that was given on him as Christ said, upon this rock, Peter, I shall build my church. And now, God gives him a perplexing situation. A situation he begins to wonder and doubt himself. Should I, should I not? What does this mean? Am I supposed to go and mingle and mix and fellowship and worship with the Gentiles? I believe that Peter's perplexing vision instructs us on how to make disciples of all nations in spite of our prejudices. And how do we do this? through hearts that are ready. And I'm going to run through these issues. Number one is to ponder in prayer always, as we see Peter doing in verse 17 and 19. Number two, if we are to be able to go beyond our prejudices, our hearts need to be ready to perform God's command without hesitation, but in humility. And how do we do that? 
we will see the accommodation of others in verses 19 to 23, accountable relationships, as we'll see in verse 23, accurate appraisal of self. You know, you need to know who you are and acknowledge who you are before God and in man's eyes, as we'll see in verses 24 to 25. And the acknowledgement of own prejudices. A confession to say, I was wrong. I saw different from God. As Peter will show us in verses 27 to 28. And then the assertion of God's all-inclusive saving grace. Profess it, live it, show it out. As we will see today in verse 29. But throughout, now we'll be seeing how Peter stands for to bring in the Gentiles into the fold. Verse 17. X 10 verse 17. It is now Peter was still inwardly perplexed and doubted as to what the vision which he had seen could mean. Some will say, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, as that was happening, the three men walked in. So we want to carry on picking Peter in that place. He's still at the top of the house, on the roof, praying, hungry. He's just been given three times, get up, Peter, kill, eat. And three times he refused. What is God doing? How come God does not clearly tell him, hey, there are people out there I told you about, I've got other sheep that I need to bring into the fold. Just go and start your work with the Gentiles. Why is God doing this? I believe Peter has had a hard heart for a long time. Peter has struggled with doubt. Peter has a very strong heart and can stand on what he believes at any time. And God has to work with him slowly. Half the time it's easier to be told, Leonard, this is your fault. You are proud. Walk away from it. But I tell you, half the time I'm told what my mistake is, I do not turn it. I do not turn away from it. I do not acknowledge it. I take you as one who is attacking me. And God has a way of bringing us to a place where we see ourselves from his perspective. And that moment... We don't change, but we are transformed. And I believe God, through Christ, in his life with Peter, we can see how he has been walking with Peter. Peter is one of the first one to be called his disciples. Peter was one of the most difficult ones that Jesus walked with. Now we see him in this place still struggling. What is this vision saying? But remember, God's aim is to bless all nations through the line of Abraham. So God is not doing a new thing. He's carrying on with his promise from Genesis that he gave to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, 13, Genesis 18, 18, Genesis 22, 18, we we'll pick that up. So this is not a new thing. This is a continuation of God's work through his people. That's the first inclusive part of God's work. Who else would God have 
to do his work. Was there anyone who is better, who is righteous, more righteous than any human being? No one. God had no right person to find. And Peter would stand as a good candidate to know the grace of God, to communicate the grace of God to the Gentiles. He knew his faults. He knew his denial of Christ. He knew his doubt walking on the water. It's Peter who knew the love of Christ when in his anger he cut off the ear of the soldier. Christ put it back. Peter knew what grace is. And Peter's heart needed to be made. God is working in, in us. When we face perplexing situations, let us not dwell on the living parables that he may give us. What does it mean? Why did he do this? Why is he struggling? The question should be, what then shall I do in this situation? What is God asking me to do? And our lesson number one, seeing Peter in that position is, when perplexed, ponder in prayer. That's what Peter's doing. Because the sheet has been taken away, but he remains on the rooftop. He was in prayer, remember, so he ought to have remained in prayer. Still hungry, but now he ponders over what this means. He broods over it. He meditates upon it. He discusses with God through his word. What is it that you want me to do? Half the time, we are quick to run to the prophet, to the pastor, to the counselor, to someone else, but leave God from it. I'm not saying don't consult trusted people. Do so. But number one, and number last, talk to God. When you have heard from all these people, come back into his word. Peter engaged with God. He needed not knowledge. He knew what he's not supposed to do. He has heard, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. He knows that. Now, wisdom is the application of that knowledge. And this is what takes us into action. This is what will make us move across borders, across boundaries, across prejudices for us to reach out to the people in those streets, to the people we may not like. We need to ponder in prayer. We need to engage God. We need to listen to God. That's what we're invited to do in James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. And Peter could have been found faulty. I've told you kill in it three times. Why not? But God gives him wisdom. God is patient. God is there with us. When situations are perplexing, what do you do? Go into your closet in prayer. I don't know what you're facing. It could be right in your marriage. A cruel. These days they've got this word narcissist. Narcissistic spouse is what you may be dealing with. Everything they do does not speak love. Is it a child? is troubling you? Is it a sibling? Today is Mother's Day. There are many who are not happy. Who will not pick up the phone? Who will not send a message to a mother? Because they wonder, am I really a child? 
Is it a friend who betrayed you? Probably, as we sit here as church members, there's someone we snarl at the moment we see their face. We cannot pray for them. We cannot pray with them because they hurt us. Is it a worker? Is it a workmate? Is it a boss? A customer? For some of us, our conversations regarding the leaders of this world, of this country, is such that if we saw them, we'd give them a putting. Can we pray for them? We can't. Because it's perplexing. Why, Lord, how? 40 years is over in our desert. When will this end? It's a perplexing situation. And God asks us to pray for them. God asks us to love them. Those who hurt us. Pray. Pray. Even if you will not pray, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul picks it up and says in Romans 8, 26, 27, and the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Pray. Be available. Go to the rooftop. Stay there and pray. God will answer. Wait for him. When perplexed, perform God's commands. That's our second lesson we take from this passage. Number one is ponder in prayer. Number two, perform God's commands. Acts 10, 18, 19, all the way to 23 will carry us through that. The man who had been sent asked for Peter. He was sti still thinking what the vision meant when the Holy Spirit spoke to him, saying, Three men are looking for you. Arise, go with them. Without doubting anything, I have sent them. Pray. After you pray, the Holy Spirit will come himself and direct you and instruct you. Go with them. Perform God's command without hesitation. Peter comes out of his prayer closet down into the main house and he introduces himself. And we see for us the first thing that's important if we are to truly perform God's command is to be broken, is to be humble. And Peter humbles himself because remember there are other believers watching him. He is the leader he who came into this area to support the work that was going there as a leader, as an apostle. But he comes down and he comes down to a place where he starts by acknowledging that he has a challenge. His challenge is he stands different, he sees different all those who are around him at this moment. But he acknowledges that by saying, I shall obey. If we are not humble, we will not obey God's instruction. Without humility, without being broken, we will not follow God's instruction. We will have all kinds of questions and excuses. We will struggle 
to obey God's command. So our obedience ought to be from a broken heart. And remember, God is breaking Peter's heart. Are you broken enough to break your own barriers? How do we see Peter? Remember, it's Peter who says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was talking about. God had broken him. How does he do this? Verses 19 to 23, number one, is accommodation. He takes in the Gentiles, the three men who were sent by Cornelius, as his guests. Remember, Peter is a guest at Simon the Tanner's house. And this is Simon the Tanner, which we had two weeks ago, that in himself ought not have been an associate with Peter. Because dead animals, dead skin is unclean. Peter is being made. Everything around him is perplexing, is confusing. What is God doing? Now he has not only put me in Simon the Tanner's house, he brings me three Gentiles to visit me in this place. So that it would not be ever reported that it was Simon the Tanner's uh, guests, the Bible says he took them in as his guests. Who is it that you are struggling to accommodate? Who is it that you will not let into your home? Because they're different from you. Because you don't prefer them. I had a story of a mother in a blended family setting who just struggled with this 10-year-old little girl whose mother had died. The father was a now new husband and she just could not live with this girl until one day she lost it, picked up the phone, grandmother, come take your daughter. I cannot live with her. Who is it that you rather they die because they've hurt you. In his humility, we see the next major important thing we need to learn to do is accountability. Verse 23 tells us that. We know now, if you go to chapter 11, that he went with six other Jews. It's not easy for leaders to go around with other people. Who do you walk with? Who do you take around so that they can be there with you, either to teach them or even to learn from them? This is more difficult for preachers, for teachers. There's someone who sit there, ah, I don't want to work with that one. Why? Because they are young, they are young Christians. They will spoil things. They don't sing well. They don't read well. They're different from you. It's a prejudice. There's someone there that they don't present well, they don't dress well. Where I'm going to, I'm going to be talking to executives. Mm -mm, I'll leave them out. It's a prejudice. They are a woman. I can't come with them. Accountable relationships. Peter, the apostle, goes out to Caesarea from Joppa with six other Jews. And we'll see as we go down in the text that this was a very important and wise step that God gave him. Because lots more is going to happen. Stay put.
So in his humility, he accommodated those who were different from him. He had an accountable relationship with other believers from Joppa. And number three, he had an accurate appraisal of himself. And as we read Acts 10, 25 to 26, as Peter comes to the house of Cornelius, Cornelius kneels down, bows down to worship Peter. There are all kinds of debates, but that's not the issue. It could be where he's coming from previously. Roman, uh, they have many gods. Maybe to him, this is another appearance of God since he had just seen a vision when an angel came. It doesn't matter. The point is what Peter does. Peter says, stand up, I'm just a mere man. Are you a mere man? Where do you place yourself when people continuously worship you, literally, as you walk into a place of worship? They put you at a pedestal. And these days, with all these fancy titles, I saw you put the title of Dr. Me, and I increasingly say, hey, I did it, and I'm proud of it, but please take it away. It takes nothing from me. It adds nothing from you. I'm good as Leonard. Because pride will soon each on you. Know who you are before God. I am just a mere man. Do not worship me. Keep looking at who you are. Keep revising who you are. How would God introduce you when you are not a mother, when you are not a father, when you are not a preacher, when you are not a pastor, when you are not an executive? Who are you? That's the accurate appraisal for you. What you believe God would say for you. Here, Asaph, my son, my servant. Many have gone to call me a human being's father. The Bible says we've got one father in heaven. I understand. But be careful. Many are worshipping preachers. We need to check all the time how sound we are regards the word of God. Number four, the way that Peter expresses his humility is acknowledgement of his own prejudices. And we read that in verses 27 to 28 where he gives the story of where he's coming from. Traditionally, this is where we are as Jews. We are not allowed to associate with Gentiles. These are not just Gentiles. This is a God-fearing Gentile. And as I said earlier, we will hear the trouble that Peter will get into for even paying attention to Cornelius and these people. But that confession is an important step in breaking down our hearts. Until you acknowledge that you hate women, you do not like white people, you do not like black people. You do not like Jews. You do not like, I don't know whoever it is that you do not like. Until you yourself acknowledge that this is my challenge, this is where I am, very little will happen for you to embrace those people. And God could make you, but doesn't force you. That's why he walks step by step with 
us just as we see him walking here with Peter. What prejudices do you need to confess? Do you need to face? Do you need to live today? Not tomorrow. Not next year. Today as we leave this place. You know it. When you see that person, you don't even think about it. Your head turns away. You feel your blood heating up in anger. Deal with that. You need to acknowledge your own prejudices. If you are going to be part of what God is doing in saving his people. And the final thing we'll see is that Peter asserts God's all-inclusive saving grace. He professes. He lives out what God has called him to do. So, when I was sent for, verses 29 to 33, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? This is important. Peter is an apostle. Peter knows Peter traditionally is higher than Cornelius as a Gentile. But he doesn't impose himself. How can I serve you? Where are you at? What's your need? Half the time, the leaders we see today, oh, I've seen you in a screen, and you are Cornelius, you tell the story of the person. No, he doesn't prophesy on Cornelius. He asks, what's your need? How can I save you today? I'm prepared to relate with you. I've told you where I'm coming from, but I'm here to save you. Let's engage. Listen to the other person. It's a position of humility. It's a position of obedience. Then, of course, Cornelius answers. Days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called this is how Peter comes into Cornelius' house. What does Cornelius need? Now we are here, all in the presence of God, to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. We need to understand those words. Not to hear what you, Peter, is saying, but what the Lord is saying through you. These words are important to understand. Peter asks, what's your need? Cornelius has been worked on by God. Remember, God could have spoken through the angel all these issues. But he said, I want Peter to come. And Cornelius understands that Peter is not coming as Peter the apostle, who is a Jew, but Peter is coming as a vessel of God, with a message from God for us. May we hear what God has sent you to give us. And of course, today we will not listen to that message. We will listen to that message next week. But it is a fulfillment of what God promised way back to Abraham. It is the process of Peter and all the believers who were left by Jesus to go and be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost of the ends. And the uttermost ends of the earth include 
the Romans, the Gentiles. In fact, more of the Gentiles than the Jews. At any rate, the Jews would not outnumber the Gentiles in this world. The Great Commission is perplexing in itself. A couple of people who spent a couple of years with Jesus hardly went beyond Galilee are being asked to go to the uttermost of the end of the earth. How would they do that? And we see here, Peter, do not call what I have cleansed unclean. That is perplexing. But remember, you told me this don't touch. Even that uncircumcised Jew, uh, sorry, Gentile, go eat with them, fellowship with them, worship with them. Until we are broken by God, we are broken of God, we are given a new culture in Christ which comes through the breaking of the veil, we will not be able to fulfill the great commission. I met once, when I was in Scripture Union, a pastor from Sierra Leone. There had been an 11-year-old civil war in Sierra Leone. And from his village, two young boys, teenagers, had been recruited as boy soldiers. And for them to show that they were ready to fight, they were given instruction in public to go and rape the pastor's pregnant wife. They would open up people's pregnant women's bodies. So they raped them and cut open that woman who died of course in pain. The war ends. They are now young men Someone preaches to these two young and instructs them, go to your pastor. The only pastor that they knew in their area was the pastor whose wife was raped and killed. It's perplexing. How do you pastor such a person? How do you break that barrier? How do you today Embrace our Mbuya Maj as mother. She is my mother's age. We have stories of racism that have happened not in America, in this country. How do you embrace them? How do you embrace as a pastor in this country who in 2008 your church member cut your church member's hand. You want short sleeve or long sleeve? These are the people God has called us to go and reach out to. Not the nice people. Not the kind, loving believers. No. It's the murderers. It's the adulterers. It's the homosexuals. It's the slanderers. Is the oppressors, is the thieves. Those are the people we are to reach out to. Unless we come to a place of prayer and a place of humility to accommodate them, to be able to work with somebody else in accountability, to be able to move knowing who exactly we are, a sinner just as they are before God, saved by grace. 
we will not achieve the Great Commission. Friends, the vision is not about food. The vision is about a greater part of what God is doing. And that greater part is for us to remain humble, to remain ready to hear God as he speaks. For us to have a heart like that of God, a heart for the nations. Now, we are here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. We are not in the presence of the Lord on a Sunday at 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock in this place, but we are in the presence of the Lord on the streets, in our homes, in our bedrooms, in our school playgrounds, in our boardrooms, as we drive, are we ready to hear what the Lord has to say to us? And his message, his command, his request on us is one. Go, make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. As we set up to sing, heart for the nations, Think through it. What's stopping you from reaching out? What's stopping you from fulfilling the command? Because God's salvation is all-inclusive. All-inclusive of you with your prejudices, but also all-inclusive of those who are different from you. Father in heaven, we thank you that you could do all this work on your own, but you chose to walk in and through us. But we thank you that you gave us your Holy Spirit to give us the power to understand, to have wisdom, to have the strength to walk through those passages where it's difficult. To cover the gaps between us and those who are different from us so that under Christ, one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, we can be one as the body of Christ. To your honor, to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand up and sing, Heart for the Nations.